Today we're continuing our series for the, the season of Epiphany, Shine a Light, where we're looking and thinking about a light that Christ has brought into the world and how we as uh, the followers of Jesus, as disciples, how we can not only receive this light, but shine it out ourselves for the world to see. Today we um, turn to Matthew's Gospel and uh, arguably the most famous part of Matthew's Gospel, the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we're jumping in in the middle of the sermon, so um, uh, bear with me a bit, but we will jump right into a familiar image that Jesus uses uh, to tell his disciples what they ought to emulate, uh, who they are and, and what kind of light to shine. I invite you to listen with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the fifth chapter of Matthew's gospel, beginning with the 13th verse. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything, but is thrown down and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So before embarking on their journey to settle what would later be known as Boston in the year 1630, Puritan leader John Winthrop addressed those gathered at a church in Southampton, England. His address would later be known as a model of Christian charity. It's become one of the most influential speeches, not only in church history, but American history as well. I remember reading this address in AP history as a high schooler, then again in college as a history major, and yes, I even had to read it in seminary as well. You know, while it's a memorable and significant address, it's certainly not without its own problematic elements as well, but we can save that for another time. But what we all know about this address as Americans, regardless of whether or not we've actually read it, is Winthrop's illustration of our nation being a shining city on a hill. This image has been utilized by leaders throughout our nation's history, Presidents John Adams, as well as John F. Kennedy, Ronald Reagan, and Barack Obama have all used this illustration to talk about the hope, the the promise of who we can be as a nation. And of course, Winthrop's uh, use of this image comes from our gospel reading today. A city on a hill is not exactly a rare thing in the Greco-Roman world. The ideal place to build a city would be on a hill. 
But it was also sort of a double-edged sword in this time. A city built on a hill was easier to defend as those trying to invade had to go from uphill. On the other hand, though, a city on a hill is also a lot easier to spot out. When we read Jesus' words in the gospel, our, our hearing of, of our own culture and tradition can, can sometimes blur our reading and hearing of the Sermon on the Mount at this point. I want you all to notice something. Jesus never tells his disciples in, in the sermon to be a city on a hill. This image of a city on a hill only helps Jesus illustrate the image that he's really talking about, that his followers should be light and salt. This image here about the city is, is helping illustrate his image about light and about, um, it's about light and, and just as a city on a hill can't be hidden, so can a light not be hidden. You are the light of the world, and let that light shine before others. We have a tendency in our world today to take light for granted. I'm sure our friends in Texas this week uh, certainly are not doing so after the extreme power outages they've experienced after the ice storms. But in the biblical days, light was a luxury. Oil to light lamps was expensive. Much of the world in those days lived in darkness. As such, it's not surprising that light in this time became symbolic of hope. It even became symbolic of the very kingdom of God. Notice, when Jesus talks to his followers in our reading, he not only tells them that they have light, that you should remember that you have this light. Now, he tells them you are this light. You are the light of the world. And let that light, that light of the world that you have, shine that before others for the world to see. Don't do this for your own glory, but that others might see God's glory through you. It's a little challenging to hear that today because in our world in which we live today, we're a little more content with throwing shade than shining light, right? We're so much more prone to criticize, complain, scoff, rather than try to seek out the good in the world. In a world that is more content with throwing shade, Jesus tells us to be light and to shine light. Friends, what might it look like for us as followers to Jesus to clap back at the shade throwers, the haters in our midst, and to shine our light for the world to see? He uses another image, though, too, that I think helps bring this whole thing together. Salt. As Miss Joanne talked about with, with our kids a little bit ago, you are the salt of the earth, but you've lost your saltiness. Strange, uh, it's, it's also a strange one for us to hear today because we tend to associate saltiness with grumpiness, with jadedness. Um, you could say with throwing shade with, with being grumpy and disgruntled about things. I always think of the two old men in the, the Muppet show that sit up in the box and complain about everything going on. That's what we associate with saltiness, right? But in the biblical days, salt was symbolic of the covenant. It was the very symbol of unity. 
It was something that brought flavor, that brought life to a community. It's clear this is a text that is unique to Matthew's gospel. The other three gospel writers don't have Jesus saying this. From this, and if you come to my Sunday school class after, and we we talk about the different gospel writers and their communities and how you can learn a little bit about them, it's clear from this reading that Matthew might be addressing a crisis in his community. Perhaps the covenant community to whom he's addressing his gospel is mired in conflict with infighting. Or his community is together, but they're bland, they're lackluster. Or in other words, they've lost their saltiness. They've lost their flavor. So these are the two images that Jesus uses in our reading today. Salt and light. They're not hard images for us to cling to as well. You could say that the community in which we live today, our our nation, our world, is losing its saltiness. Losing our saltiness, our unity, our covenant through division, through polarization, finding a way to find our footing coming out of the pandemic. Similarly, we struggle to live into this image of being the light of the world. We hide our lights under bushels of fear rather than shining them out for the world to see a world that is living in darkness and fear and suffering. The result of all this for us as well as for Matthew's community is the same. We struggle to live into and proclaim God's realm, God's reign of peace, love, and justice in the world. There are a couple things about salt and light that I think are important for us to to note today that I think will be helpful for us to make sense of this as we try to take these images out forward. One comes from the scholar Anna Case Winters. She reminds us that with salt and light, neither exists for its own sake. Salt needs to stay salty in order to have its function. Just as light must be lifted up to give light. Neither exists for for their own function. They, They each exist for something else. In the same way, the church today does not exist for its own sake. We exist to be salt and light for the world, to shine the light of God's love out for the world, to shine the light of God's, uh, of this salt, of this covenant unity out for the world that is mired in bitterness and conflict. The other thing I want us to know about salt and light is that with both of them, just a little bit goes a long way. Just as Miss Joanne is telling our children, you just need a little bit of salt in order for uh, your food to have flavor. Um, we just need a little bit of this, this unity, this, this covenant living in order to, to make a difference in the world. Same thing with light. Just a little candlelight in a dark room can illumine the whole space. In the world in which we live, it can feel so overwhelming to face the problems the issues, the injustices we see, yet we know with salt and light just a little can make a world of difference. How can we as individuals, how can we as a congregation, as a wider community, how can we make a difference? Just be a little bit of salt and a little bit of light for the world in which we live. 
Matthew's Jesus today calls us to revive this identity, to be salt and light, or as my, my playful sermon title will tell you, to shine a light of saltiness. What might our church, our nation, our world look like instead of trying to be a shining city on a hill looking down on everyone else, we instead committed anew to being salt and light? In a world where it's so much more common to throw shade, the church is called to be light and to shine light, to see and tell good news, the good news of God's love taking shape, taking rooting in our community and world around us. In a time of bitterness and division, we are called to be salt. We are called to bring flavor, to bring life, to bring joy, to bring unity to the place in which we live, to find ways to work together across differences, to remind one another who we are and that we each belong to one another and to God as children of God. And friends, if you look hard enough, you can find glimpses of this light, of this salt, all around us. It's not as hard, it's not as difficult to see as we might think. One of the best things I've experienced in this community in my six and a half or so years here is the work of our town police department in um, something odd that they do is that they invite the pastors of the town to gather together with the police chief and their chaplain and a couple of officers every quarter. It's called the Police Pastor Coalition. Funny, funny term, but when the police chief calls, you show up. Oh. But it's just fascinating. This, this started several years ago after, after um, um, it was before my time, but every quarter they gather us together to simply talk about our community. What can we do, and they, they ask us, what can we do as law enforcement to help our community be a safer place, a more uh, welcoming place, a place where, where um, our community can thrive? And we work together on this. And sometimes the issues are about uh, scruples over parking in and, and such an old town, but we've also tackled problems like the opioid epidemic, safety. Such gestures, such statements, I think, are a shining ray of saltiness in our world, seeking to find ways to work together, to find ways to, to bring people together from different perspectives and ideologies and backgrounds to make our community a safer place, a more loving place, a more just place for all to live and thrive as God's children. When we do this, we build up our community brick by brick. And when we do this, we draw ever closer to God's reign. Now, the place where we experience salt and light in its clearest, I think, is whenever we gather at this table. Because whenever we gather at this table, friends, we are reminded that we are salt, that, that God brings all of us together, not just from our congregation and certainly not just from our denomination, but all of God's children are gathered together at this place. Every time we share the sacrament, we're reminded of our unity together as children of God. And when we're fed at this table, we can, we can uh, renew that saltiness, that, that covenant bond, that unity that we have. But this meal is also a foretaste of the kingdom meal. It's, it's a glimpse of the meal that we'll all have together in God's kingdom one day when all be one. 
And so that, friends, is a light that we can shine out for the world to see. Friends, may we go out and may we revive these images of being salt and light for the world. Amen.